0: Hi, and welcome back to the Lactation Training Lab podcast. I'm Christine, an IBCLC and childbirth educator based in the United States. I help lactation care providers optimize their lactation practice and career through resources, information, and mindset shifts that help them to clarify and reclaim their purpose and mission in lactation work. I've been in the lactation field for 20 years now, and this podcast is my way of sharing with you what I've learned and what the future holds for those of us supporting families and babies. Whether you're seasoned or studying, I hope this show will make you think and inspire you to act. Let's get started. So welcome back to the Lactation Training Lab podcast. On today's episode, we are going to go through some FAQs about the lactation field, about getting into the lactation field and the work that we do. And I really wanted to share some of these really frequently asked questions with you because I know that even if you're already in the field, you hear these questions. So having some answers that you've thought about and prepared in advance may make your life easier every time you get those calls or those questions from people around you. And if you are one of those who are thinking of entering this field, I have a lot of tips for you. We'll go through some specific information about the process of becoming trained and entering the field. And we'll go through some kind of tips on who should be doing this work and who should really not, and what to do about thinking in terms of timeframes. Timeframes are one of the most common questions that we get. And there are a lot of ways that people are seeking this kind of information these days. There are a lot of Facebook groups where people find the first information and seek out their first information about entering the field. And there are a lot of websites that people are visiting to get this information. And then, of course, there's, you know, face-to-face or via computer (laughs) contact where people are asking about this process. So I want to break it down and simplify a little bit for you. So to start, I want to review some of the things that we talk about a lot here at the Lactation Training Lab and why we do this work, why I do this work, why we all do this work. The Lactation Training Lab builds up the person behind your practice. So we're really looking at things that are going to support your work, your mission, your purpose, and make you feel more fulfilled in the work that you do. So it makes sense that we're going to visit this conversation about entering the field and about how that process goes. I wanna remind you of some of the, the premises, the core premises of the lactation training lab, that your personal experience with lactation is meaningful, valuable, and inspirational, and knowing how to share it really well and appropriately makes a bigger impact. Education, courses, and certifications are only the beginning of the lifelong learning journey, and they don't predict or constrain your ability to make an impact. We'll talk a lot about that today. Connecting with others to share, learn, and express yourself is the key to progress and expanding your potential. And the lactation care equation really is science plus excellent counseling. And counseling, it's about people. So that's where that comes in. Our values are pretty simple. Simplicity, physiology, thoughtfulness, dignity, commitment, empathy, gratitude, global context, future first, and resourcefulness. We'll revisit all of those as we go through this information today. So I'd like to start with timeline kind of questions. These are really common Theme in the questions that we see in Facebook groups about the process of becoming an IBCLC or becoming a lactation care provider. And the reason this is so broad and such a vague thing, in even when somebody has already sought information, official information, it can seem like there's no, you know, this or that kind of answer. And there is no this or that kind of answer because the process is made to be robust enough to allow for a lot of different people in a lot of different settings to be able to pursue this kind of training and certification. So a little bit about the process here. We'll go through the the main three things. A lot of webinars and trainings that you'll hear, a lot of intros to this particular topic are going to break down the process into three. And they're gonna go by pathway because there are three pathways that are set out by the certifying board. And the certifying board for the IBCLC is the International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners known by their acronym IBLSEE. You'll hear me refer to IBLSEE quite a bit. IBLC sets out these pathways as a way for people to determine which pathway they're going to use based on their existing background and their access to certain types of trainings. So a lot of the webinars and, and trainings that you'll hear will separate what they're speaking about into the pathways, but I'd really like to look at the three parts of the training itself. So the three things that everyone has to have and what differs per pathway is where you're getting that determination from your existing background, training, education, access to new trainings. So you've got three basic buckets of how this preparation for the exam really works. You've got your lactation specific education. So that's didactic education that is around lactation itself, the science of it, how it works, what we do when there's a problem, all of those parts, the information. Then there's the health science bucket, which is things that are about caring for people in a healthcare environment. It's about how the human body works, those types of things. And then you've got your mentorship or clinical portion of the training. All three of these buckets of preparation come together. They coalesce into an application to sit for the IBCLC exam. You have to have completed all of those things before you can even apply. Then once you apply, you would sit for the exam and then there's a waiting period while they score the exams. And then you would find out if you had been certified or not. And once you're certified, that means that you're certified to practice immediately as an IBCLC. There's no waiting time. There's no practice time. You are expected to be ready to get out there and do this work. So the preparation for that exam needs to be really robust and it needs to take some time. The timeframe that they've set around this is that for two of those buckets, it needs to be done in the five years just prior to to applying for the exam. So you've got your lactation specific education that needs to happen in those five years before the application. And then you've got your mentorship and clinicals that need to happen in the five years before you apply. Then there's the health science bucket. The health science bucket sits a little bit outside of that framework because you can take those health science classes at any time. So you can take those 20 years before you decide to enter into this process, or you can take them during this process. They also have to be completed before you apply, but they can have occurred outside of that previous five-year window it's pretty clear why someone doing this work would need to have those health science classes in that background. And one of the main ways that people determine which pathway they're going to use is if they hold an existing healthcare license, another credential, often they are excused by IBLC from needing to take those again, because those were already included in the training that they took for their original health license. So that's one way that things are determined in in terms of pathways. Lactation specific education, obviously we want this education and information to be very recent. So it needs to be happening in those five years just prior to application. Same with clinicals. We want people to be getting experiences that are current and they're working with people who are current on their information. So that's why those need to happen within that timeframe. So it doesn't mean that for everyone, it takes five years to do this, but it also is meant to be a process that takes enough time for people to learn a lot and be prepared to practice the day they receive their certificate in the mail. So what is really the optimal length of preparation for the IBCLC exam? Well, you could take five years to do it. I have mentored many people and in my experience, People who take at least two full years for their preparation tend to be more prepared and feel a lot more confident when they receive their IBCLC certificate. Taking your time in this process matters. You really want to visit why you are doing this if you are trying to find the fastest way to make it happen. We'll revisit that again throughout this conversation. I also believe that once you are certified as an IBCLC, you should spend about two or three years just being an IBCLC, doing the work. And at, at about five years or at five years when you recertify, it's a good time to decide if you want to specialize in a certain topic or issue. It's a good time to revisit your purpose and your mission and determine if you are where you want to be. Because becoming an IBCLC is not the end of the journey. It's just part of it. And for some people, it's not part of it at all. We'll talk about that as well. I've got an a FAQ about that as well in this section. While you are just being an IBCLC in those first few years, definitely be involved in mentoring and be involved in the field on the local level, the state level, the national level, the international level. Be always seeking opportunity to connect with other people who do the work that you do. Often that's how people determine whether they would like to specialize in some way, or they'd like to change settings. They'd like to transition from one setting to another. So there's so much opportunity if you are being really intentional about staying involved in everything that's going on around you? That's my answer to that question. That doesn't mean it's the only answer. They give you five years to make all those things happen that you need to do before you apply. But I can definitely tell you that when people rush it, regardless of which pathway they use, when they try to rush through the preparation for the exam, even if they pass the exam, their confidence level, and honestly their competence level is not the same. It makes sense to understand and to really think about the fact that the more experience and mentorship you have and the more time you take to accumulate it, the more experienced you really will be. And the more qualified you will be to provide the type of important care that we are preparing to provide when we are on this process of preparing for the exam. If you want to be really good at what you're planning to do, you want to be as prepared as possible. So ensuring that you're building yourself in enough time for all of those things, it really makes a difference. So that will speak to, you know, how you decide to go about your pathways as well. It will help to determine what types of courses, your lactation specific courses or trainings you will take, whether you take one that is established as these 90 hours cover everything that's going to, that could be covered on the exam, or whether you take a 45 hour course that's going to cover some of that. Maybe you're taking a 20 hour course or maybe you're putting the entire thing together with smaller chunks. The main thing is to make sure that you are using the IBLE-C outline of topics to understand that the trainings you're getting are actually covering all those topics. Otherwise, when you sit down to study, you may find that you have some big gaps and then you're trying to teach yourself or look things up. One way to ensure that you are really prepared for whatever lactation specific training or courses you're taking is to purchase a lactation textbook in advance. Maybe you're enrolling in a course and you know which one they're going to require, so that's the book that you're going to buy. Maybe you haven't decided which course to take, so you don't know what that course would require. Find a lactation textbook and get familiar with it before you take a course. Read this textbook find out how fascinated you really are with lactation. This is the core of what you are going to know. You definitely want to be familiar with this information. You don't want to show up to a course or a training or a webinar or a workshop and just wait for people to put information into you. You want to have a level of knowledge that allows you to interact with the information you receive in that training. You want to be ready to ask questions you want to be ready to challenge what you hear with what you've read, and it will make your experience so much richer when you are already reading. If you end up buying a textbook that's different from what your course is going to require, great. (laughs) You need those different exposures to different information or the same information presented in multiple ways. This can only help you. I also wanna say something really quick about local options and full disclosure, I used to teach a local option in my community, a 45 hour course, as well as a 90 hour course. I no longer do that. So I don't have any conflict of interest here at this point. I just wanted to talk a little bit about local options. When you are able to take a course that is taught by people who work in your community, uh, that could be your actual, you know town or county, it could be your state, you're going to get an experience that is very tailored to the populations you're likely to encounter in that area. You're going to have this additional opportunity to network with these instructors and these people who are putting this course together who have knowledge about what other resources are available in your area. So if that's an option for you, you should really consider that. A local option sometimes is not the most well known option, but as long as you're using your IBLSEA outline to be sure that they're covering what you need them to cover, this can be a really great option for you, especially if your particular personal goal is to train and end up practicing in your community, in in the community where they are offering that. When it comes to your uh, mentorship clinicals, talking about that I covered that a lot in episode 12 of this podcast, so I encourage you to go back and listen to what I had to say about mentorship, why mentoring is important, and why your mentorship experience should be robust, why even if you are taking pathway one, because you are a credentialed or licensed healthcare provider in another area, you should not miss out on the mentoring experiences that you can get, and encouraging you to be creative and collaborative in how you find mentorships and how you structure them. I did already mention that, you know, once you become an IBCLC, you will want to be involved in mentoring and that you should be involved in your local organizations that care for lactation care providers. I definitely encourage you to be involved for that reason as well. If you are pursuing IBCLC training, if you are preparing for the exam, you want to be involved in every group around you that has anything to do with lactation, because how else are you going to find people who are going to help in your mentoring process? You need to be connected with the local people, even if they are not able to offer you the mentorship experience that you need, They can certainly offer you tips and ideas and advice about that. They might be able to provide a review of something, you know, external, something outside the community, something virtual that you're considering. And you want those connections to help enrich your training experience. That brings us to a conversation here that I think is really important who should not be a lactation care provider? And I called this episode frequently asked questions. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna admit that's not a question that people ask but it's a question that they should be asking. So here are some things to consider when you are personally considering entering this field or you know someone who is, or you are a lactation care provider who is getting this question from other people. The first thing is you would not want to enter this field, possibly yet or possibly ever, if you continue to be wounded by your own lactation experiences, your unprocessed lactation experiences. Because when you have tender feelings and emotions about what has happened to you during lactation, this can lead to difficulty with counseling and difficulty with being a really smart lactation care provider who is able to look at everything through the context of what is common and what is rare. In particular, that can be a problem if you are holding on to difficult experiences, traumatic lactation experiences of your own. You should not really be considering being a lactation care provider if you're always looking for loopholes. If your goal is to figure out how you can get through this process as fast as possible, it may not be for you. You may want to think again because there's a reason that this process is designed to take time and that it has a lot of moving parts and pieces that you are ideally supposed to be doing for quite a while before you take the exam. You shouldn't be pursuing lactation care training if what you're looking for is an extra credential, extra pay, um, because maybe your employer told you that you should, this should come from you, not external reward. You should not enter this field if you are not interested in learning all the time. You want to you know, be a person who is really looking for more information. If you feel like your training is going to be the end, this is not going to work for you because things change. We learn all the time. We really have to. You should also not really, you may not be satisfied by this particular career if you prefer your work to have a sense of everything is done at the end of your day, because that's not how this work goes. So that may not be the right way for you to pursue it. You should not be a lactation care provider if you, Deep down, believe that lactation is a medical situation or a problem that needs to be managed. And the only way to manage things is with a this or that, if this, then that kind of approach, that everything is solvable and everything is going to appear to you in column one or column two. And it's going to be very simple to say, that's the problem. This is what's going on. And finally, you should not be a lactation care provider who has an agenda of everyone should breastfeed. That's not the way to approach the work that we do because there are situations where people should not, but it doesn't matter because it is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the people who are having the baby. (laughs) So we really wanna think about those types of mindsets before we start pursuing this kind of training and finding that it feels unsatisfying or it feels like it's taking too long or it feels like how can there be so much to learn? Those are all red flags that maybe this is not the right thing for you. Now, in all fairness, I also want to talk about who should be a lactation care provider. And you may be surprised by some of these answers. So I think the first thing is you should be a person who really enjoys getting to know people, connecting with people, treating people with respect and dignity, finding new ways to relate to people, and building relationships. Should be a person who can't wait to learn more about lactation, about the human body, about science, about everything that this involves. Should be a person who likes to help people by giving and showing them options and restoring their hope in a process. You should be a person who believes that you yourself can have a positive impact on the world. Possibly because of the obstacles you've overcome, what you've accomplished in your life, and just generally that you're a positive person who can influence others. You should definitely be a person who enjoys collaboration and teamwork. This is not an isolated work by yourself kind of thing. We're a part of a team. And finally, you really should be a person who's fascinated by lactation, by science, by babies, by mothers, by fathers, by parents, by the human body. If those things get you excited, then this is the place for you. You are pursuing something which is going to reward you and fulfill you in ways you can't even imagine. So just returning really quickly to that list of values, you can easily see here where so many of the things that we talk about, physiology as the core, that's the science part, that's the part that makes it important that your lactation training, your specific training is happening in the five years before you take the exam. A lot of things about how we treat people, dignity, commitment, empathy, and gratitude. Those are things about how we relate to people. And our global context is what reminds us why this process of preparing to apply to take the IBCLC exam is so robust and has so much flexibility built into it. It is because this is a certification for international work which means that it's happening in so many different places. And there are so many different ways that this work can be happening and the training can be happening. So there's just so much opportunity for things to be thought of on a global level, for learning from one another, learning from different settings, learning from different cultures. Future First and resourcefulness to me those really speak to the mentoring and the clinical internship part future first means we're always training the future of what we do another very common question that we get about entering the lactation field is should i be a nurse so once people come across the information in a way that helps them to understand that one Does not need to be a nurse in order to be a lactation care provider of any kind, don't need to be a nurse to do those things. Then comes the question well, should I? Will I get a job if I am not also a nurse? Do I need to be a nurse? How does that help? How might that hold me back because it's going to take me longer? I believe the best answer to this question is if you want to be a nurse. If you want to be a nurse, that is a nurse, whether or not you are a lactation care provider, then yes, please be a nurse. The world needs more nurses. If you do not want to be a nurse, then you should not be a nurse. No one should become a nurse because they think it's a great sideline to lactation care. You should be a nurse because you want to be a nurse. And many who are in the field today, who are nurses and lactation care providers will tell you when you hold both of those credentials, both of those trainings, both of those experiences, you will often be called upon to be a nurse first and foremost um, in a way that can be frustrating for you. Sometimes it's going to be fulfilling for you because if you are a nurse who wants to be a nurse, you love nursing, you love being a nurse. But if your goal was really just to be a lactation care provider without doing nursing work all the time, you may find yourself in employment situations where they're requiring you to mostly act as a nurse and leave your lactation work to the side. That can be really frustrating. So whether you should or should not be a nurse, that should be a really big part of that decision-making process. Whether you personally have ever thought to yourself, I'd really like to be a nurse. If you have, good time to consider it. Um, it the two types of trainings work really well together. Obviously, it will extend your timeline a bit because depending on where you're starting in your nursing training, it may take you longer. Uh, some people will will choose to pursue the IBCLC credential, you know, during the time they're getting their nursing training. Some will do it separately because that's a better learning pathway for them. So think about, you know, those things as well. Think about the fact that, you know, there are situations where being a nurse may help you with employment, but don't give that more weight than it needs. If you don't want to be a nurse, by all means, do not. We don't need people who don't really want to do a job doing a job. <laughs> we want people who have a passion and a fire for that. And it's completely possible to have a passion and a fire for being a nurse and being a lactation care provider or being a nurse and being something else. You, you It doesn't mean that you can't be both and be passionate about both. But if you're not, don't force it. That's all I'm saying about that. Final question that I wanted to cover today. I've talked a lot here about this IBCLC process. Here's the thing. What if you don't want to be an IBCLC? And I really do hear this question from people. I really do talk to people about this one. I didn't make this one up just because I wanted to talk about it. What if you don't want to be an IBCLC? What if that does not feel like it's necessary? That's the key to answering this question. What is your mission and purpose? Why do you want to be a lactation care provider? Who are you intending to impact? What is the message that you need to get out there? How do you want your work to change the world? And what type of training or certification do you need in order to do that? Is it IBCLC level? If it is, then yeah, that's the answer for you. But if it's not, obtaining lactation training and different kinds of certifications may be exactly what you need. And that may be exactly the types of connections that you need. The time frame is going to be shorter. So it can be tempting to say, well, I don't need to be an IBCLC. This is what I need to do. And I'm going to do this one as fast as I can. But I would encourage you not to do that. I would encourage you No matter what your end goal is with your trainings and your certifications, don't rush the process. You will be better and you will be more confident the longer you take to make things happen. I'm not saying stretch it out for 10 years, but I am saying give yourself the time, space, and enrichment activities that you need to truly learn what you need to know to accomplish what that certification is going to do for you. I would also encourage you to strongly consider whatever certification or training you're pursuing, Consider strongly consider following the IBCLC guiding documents about ethics and how we practice. It's a really great framework for making sure that everyone is following the same rules when it comes to how we treat people what kind of information we know? How do we make ethical decisions? If everyone will just um, use those standards and that framework in a way that helps them do their work and helps them treat people well, that will make it a little bit easier for them. You know, if you know that you have a framework to look at when you have a hard decision to make, that's going to make it easier you're gonna be able to look it up and say, yes, I am on the right track here. Yes, that was my gut feeling, this really backs it up. So even if you are not bound to those guiding documents because you are not an IBCLC, strongly consider those as a way of protecting yourself and protecting the public. And finally, I would say that if you do not intend to pursue IBCLC certification, but you're going to be doing lactation work, Commit to clearly communicating your level of training and expertise. Don't confuse people more than they already are. Talk about what training you have. This is not to say, you know, make a thousand comparisons. Talk about what training you do have and what expertise you did accomplish. What have you done to be qualified to help people with what you do? That is really worth saying. If you believe in yourself, if you believe in your training, you believe in the certification that you achieved, by all means, tell people what you did. (laughs) Tell people what that's about. Explain to them what qualifies you to be helping them or to be providing the service that you're providing to them. So that's all I have on FAQs for today. I would expect that you probably have some more questions floating around about this entire part of the process. My intention here was to cover some things that I say a lot in person um, and on webinars and workshops, and people really do ask these questions a lot. And I know there's a lot of groups out there where people who want to get involved in the field are hanging out and asking their questions. And I wanted this to be a useful thing that you could refer people to if they're considering entering the field, particularly if you are talking to somebody who you think maybe you know they need to know a little bit more about what this is like before they think about actually doing it. So I hope that this has been helpful for you and inspiring for you. Please let me know if it was. And you can always reach me on Instagram, IBCLC in CA. That's for California, not Canada. (laughs) I always like to say that. Um, Back when I took that Twitter handle, um, it's my Twitter handle as well. And so I made it my Instagram handle. But back When I took it, I was completely not thinking about Canada at all. I was really just very focused on California. So IBCLC NCA. You can also email me and you can find show notes on the website. And if this has really been helpful for you and you love this podcast, it would be very helpful for me if you would follow it on whatever podcast app you use to listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to support the podcast, I've just created a Patreon account and you can find it at patreon.com slash Christine Storica. And you can support me in one of several different levels, which provide you with additional benefits once you're a supporter. So I would love to see you visit there and I would really appreciate your support in making this podcast and bringing this information and these mindset shifts out to more people. When you support me, I can do more. So thank you for listening. I will be back soon. Have a wonderful day and thanks for everything you do for parents and babies and families and health.